0: Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Good morning, everybody. Doing shows out of order today. But you know what? Nobody cares. And if you do, why do you care? It's Fantasy NBA Today. It's sell high episode here to start off your Wednesday We'll do the recap show uh, almost immediately after this one. So make sure to hit that subscribe button on whatever, however, you're taking in this show, YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, some other feed. So that way you can be alerted when we do the next one. I am Dan Vespers at Dan Bespris on social media, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. I will most definitely hang out with you guys over there. So make sure to come join us on the social side. This is a Sports Ethos presentation, SportsEthos.com, the website, EthosFantasyBK, over on social media. We did buy lows yesterday in the afternoon. I want to do sell highs today because I kind of prepped them together, and I figured I might as well knock those two shows out back to back. So let's just jump right in and give you the sell highs for week six. With the preface that this week is a little more mid-roundy. There aren't quite as many of those guys at the very top like we've talked about in the past, actually, and a few of them here I'll just throw up on your screen, as guys we talked about last week and the week before. I called it the previous calls page. But as you might uh, remember, we talked about LeBron, De'Aaron Fox, Herb Jones, Lou Dort. Those are some of the names that came up. And a lot of them have kind of done what we expected. LeBron has tapered off by about a round. De'Aaron Fox has fallen off by about a round and a half. Where's Fox at? Yeah, he's now down to 24 LeBron is in the middle second round. These guys were at the top of the second round, or even in the first. Fox was a first rounder a week ago. And, you know, they're just things that you knew wouldn't hold. And for Fox, not that I think he'll fall farther, but I do actually think he'll fall farther because he was hitting, you know, four three-pointers a game or 3.6 or something like that. That's a number we just knew was going to come down. And he's taking 22 shots a night and eight uh, free throws a night. You just can't, like... There aren't that many guys in the NBA that can do that type of usage every single ball game and then maintain their body function. Luka's a good example of somebody who has usage like that and then basically grinds down as the year goes. There isn't anybody else that's all that close, frankly. Joel Embiid would be the next one because a lot of his stuff comes at the free throw line, but like Shea is at 21. These guys that have that type of responsibility they do just tend to taper off a little bit. So uh, Herb Jones, we've seen him slow a tiny bit. That one wasn't a big surprise. Lou Dort has completely fallen off a cliff. Kyle Kuzma has actually been the guy to hang on. So we had him on our sell board a couple of times. He's still holding, largely because he's become point forward for the Wizards. That was sort of a development that I admit I didn't see coming. Um, I still think if you can sell on Kuzma, this is a great time to try to cash in because the Wizards are a, beyond a mess. But... uh Of all the calls on the sell-high board, the fact that most of them have already started to shift, I think is a sign that we were mostly on the right end of those. But let's talk about a few today. And again, these aren't going to be as eye-popping as some in the past. I wanted to start with the name that I thought was probably the buzziest, and that's Asar Thompson, who's currently ranked 70th. And so you're thinking to yourself, okay, Dan, uh, why now? Because he's already fallen off from his top 40 start. And you'd be right. That would have been the time to sell him. And so this isn't even really a sell high. And you may have noticed actually on the first, those that are watching the show instead of listening, the very first slide I put up on the board said sell high. And then in parentheses it said or sell even. And a few of the guys on today's show are sell even guys. And that's what Assar Thompson is, because I do think he continues to fall a little bit, mostly that the 2.7 combined defensive stats probably don't hold all year. The 9.5 rebounds still feel like something that could uh, begin to erode just a tad. It doesn't have to be massive amount, but let's remember that uh, Jalen Duren's kind of been in and out of the lineup so far this year, and the Pistons are struggling, and At some point, the grinds, the rigors of an NBA season are already starting to take a little bit of a toll on Thompson. Do I think he's going to fall all that far? No. I mean, when he was top 40, that was when it was like, okay, he's probably going to tumble a little bit. This is where you should really lock it in, and it's our mistake for not getting him on the board sooner. Probably does still taper off a little bit, because the percentages are not good. You see that with rookies pretty often. He's floating his value with defensive stats and rebounds. That's great. I love those categories, but... For a young guy who's going to be beaten up as the year goes on, those are things that can suffer. So do I think he falls around two rounds? Sure, something like that. 70s to 90s, 70s to 100 and whatever. So if you can find someone who's nearby, or maybe even a tiny bit better, because I still think there's a lot of buzz around uh, Asar's start to the year, you probably try to do it. Can you take his 70 range and turn it into 60 or 65? Somebody that's a little more boring like a Clint Capella would actually be a really interesting kind of comparable player who you know is not going to get worn down by the season. Also, his minutes are low, so like there isn't really a whole lot of strain on Capella right now. Uh, Vooch is a guy that everybody's freaking out about because the Bulls are terrible. Um, DeMar DeRozan, who I had in the buy low department yesterday, if you can s- somehow collect a Cam Johnson... Jakob Purtle, Jared Allen, all of these guys are very close to Ossar Thompson, and almost all of those guys are dudes that I think probably move up or at least stay, stay level for the rest of the year, where the likelihood for Thompson is that he does continue to sort of trickle a little. And the nice thing about it is, when Ossar was top 40, you probably couldn't trade for another top 40 guy. You might have been able to get, like, someone between 50 and 65. I still think, even with this drop-off for Thompson. You can aim for somebody not all that far back of that. So you haven't lost that much in terms of the trade value, but I think this may be your last couple of chances to do it. Now, that said, he's probably going to have a game mixed in here where he goes nuts, and that'll be the one where you'd want to try to make the move. At some point, there's going to be that sort of mega game that hasn't really happened since the first part of the year. Remember the first few games, it was five blocks, it was, you know, eight defensive stats. He had... How many games early in the year? He had three games in a row with double-digit rebounds, and then he had a five out of six stretch in double-digit rebounds. And right now, he's in a little bit of a dip. So the best advice is not to sell him today, but to wait until he has the pop-off game. The, you know, 12 points, 14 rebounds, two steals, three blocks. And understanding that in that moment, it's going to be hard to sell him because you're going to be like, ooh, this is him coming back around. But you also have to remember, averages happen. They just happen over time. His minutes are trending down, probably because he's getting a little bit worn out. And he'll come looping back around after the All-Star break, or maybe in a little bit before that, but the dog days of the season really crush rookies, and so that's why he's on the board right now. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's d-r-i-z-l-y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. Next name on the list, and because I didn't want you guys to think that I was just picking on young guys, is the old man on campus, Chris Paul. Not the oldest player in the league, that's LeBron, but CP is quite old. And here's the thing, you're not going to be able to get equal value for Chris Paul because I think anybody in your league that's paying some modicum of attention is aware that Chris Paul is going to weaken With Draymond Green back, his big games largely coming when Draymond was out to start the year, and then during Draymond's suspension, he's been fine with Draymond around, but he hasn't been, you know, like the top 50 type of point guard that he's put up these recent numbers with Draymond out. I still think overall Chris Paul is going to be fine. His field goal percent is very low. He hurt his knee in yesterday's ballgame or his leg or whatever it is. Just old man type of stuff. And he'll probably miss a couple of ballgames, which is going to make this sell a little bit harder than when I prepared this last night before he left the ballgame early. But he's hanging around in the early 60s, even after the four-minute game yesterday. And despite the fact that he's old, I still think you can probably get somebody in that 70 range back for him, which I realize is taking a little bit of a haircut over what he'd been doing. Chris Paul had worked his way actually inside the top 60. He was a 50-some-odd dude before uh, this leg injury forced him out. Okay, you just kind of have to accept that. And I didn't do this show three days ago. If I had, I probably would have said to aim a tiny bit higher. But right now... Aim for somebody in the 70 range. Whether that's, you know, like a... I don't know if I would go Mike Conley. That's maybe too boring. You're probably not going to get Jeremy Grant because he's been running hot. But Keegan Murray would be an interesting target. Um, Who else is somebody you could maybe look at? We just talked about Cam Johnson a second ago. Probably not as easy after a good ball game. But someone to consider. Jakob Pertl, we just mentioned. You're probably not going to be able to get Vooch. But maybe Capella would be a target. Very different kind of player, I get it. But again, you're just trying to lock in these boring, plodding types where you dodge what's going to be some kind of small drop-off here for CP3. He will likely buffer some of that drop-off with an improvement in field goal percent as the year goes because he's still at 39 and change. Actually, technically, I think he's almost right at 40% now. That'll probably work its way up to somewhere between 42 and 48. We don't know exactly where, but uh, trending upward The steals, the assists are always going to be there, but it's just going to be a little bit less with Draymond doing a lot more of the offense running for the Warriors. And I think probably they'd like to keep Chris Paul healthier as the season goes, so probably not going to kind of grind him into dust as the season rolls as well. So yes, this is not like you're going to make a massive profit. This is not a super sell-high moment for Chris Paul, but it's a sell-even-ish or maybe take the tiniest haircut, to avoid any kind of little erosion. And so that's why he's on the board today. Another in the same kind of trying not to uh, you know lock in. This is the lock in sell high episode, I guess, maybe the better way to frame it, is Alex Caruso, who I adore from a fantasy standpoint. He's in the 60s again this year and only 23 and a half minutes per ball game. We know his body can't really take much more than that, and the Bulls have said. You know, in as in many words that he's on a minutes cap, they haven't been super clear about what it is, but if you just look at the ball games he's played, basically any time he goes over about twenty-seven or twenty-eight minutes, he sits out a ball game or two. Like, look back at November eighth, he played thirty-one minutes. He was an absolute Goliath in their loss to Phoenix. Three steals, two blocks, nineteen points, four three pointers on seven out of nine shooting, and then he sat out two ball games. And then he started to ramp up again. He played 29, 27, and 27 in there. He put up these big fantasy lines. Then he sort li- of clipped back down to 18 and then had to take a day off. Yesterday, he was only at 19. It was a blowout loss. He would have played another four or five minutes late. But just understanding, with Caruso, it's a little bit of a moving target on the minutes cap. I think they'd like to keep him at around 24, or 25. But in close ball games, he gets to go a little bit heavier, 27, 28. When that happens... They give his toe a break. It's as simple as that. Bulls have a a layoff. The whole league basically has a layoff coming up here with the uh, in-season tournament next weekend where I think basically there's one game for like three days straight in the NBA, so we'll all get a little bit of a respite there. Maybe that's an opportunity to rest him a tad. The fear with Caruso is not that the minutes do anything because he's putting up top 65 value in 24 minutes of ballgame right now. That's great. That's a sustainable number for him because the defensive stats are excellent. The issue is, does he get traded in a Bulls blowup, And if he does, does his role shift in any way? Because anybody that acquires him is going to realize that he's also in that, kind of has to be in that 25 minutes or less range. And I just don't know if he has the same freedom or... yeah, I mean, it's just a question mark, right? You could just say, yeah, he probably has about the same job wherever he goes, but we don't know. We don't know. Change is terrifying, for the most part, in fantasy, when it's an unknown nebulous change the way a possible trade would be here. So uh, I think if you can lock in anybody basically inside the top 90, you kind of do it. Not that like you want Malik Beasley, who's number 90, because right now we know he's running extraordinarily hot. But if you can get somebody who's a safe top 90 or better guy, which uh, so far this year, uh, someone like a Devin Vassell, feels like a pretty safe top 90. D'Angelo Russell is kind of a safe top 90. Uh, Mitchell Robinson and Drew Holiday. You're not going to get Drew. He was drafted too high. But Mitchell Robinson, Anyeka Okongwu. these guys are kind of safe. Just like pittering along top 90 type of guys. I don't think you're going to be able to aim much higher if you could get somebody like we talked about for Chris Paul, like a Mike Conley or a Keegan Murray. Uh, or even a Dennis Schroeder, who I still think falls a little bit, but, you know, you lock in some assists. You try. I just don't think it's going to happen. So you have to kind of be aware of what the the universe values Caruso at as a low-scoring type. You're probably going to have to take somebody back that's also not a super-high-scoring type, which, you know, maybe makes Devin Vassell a harder guy to acquire. But some of these names in there that I just mentioned, Jalen Suggs, is not that dissimilar, actually, from Alex Caruso in an overall fantasy type. Like, we just talked about Conley, he's only at 10 points a game. Um, Who else did I mention? D'Lo might be harder because he scores and gets assists, but Mitchell Robinson only six points a game. Perhaps if you target these low-scoring guys, maybe you could kind of flip them and get somebody back. It's a question mark, I admit it, but you want to try to do it before anything could come and put a dent into it. And here's the final name on the board for today, and this one's a harder one to pull off, and so I do think it needs a little explanation, and that's Devin Booker. And a lot of you guys might be telling me that I'm getting kind of too locked in on this one. And look, I'll be the first to admit, I did not think he was going to start the year this hot, but it should also be noted, I didn't think he was going to start the year as the only guy playing. You know, he's only played in nine games. He missed a bunch of ball games earlier, and Bradley Beal actually played in a few of those, not that... We may ever see Bradley Beal again as long as we live, but he was actually healthy for a week. How many games did Beal play? Three? Yeah, he's at three so far this year. Uh, then Booker came back. and He played a couple games with Kevin Durant. Most of his games have been with KD, but now he's played a couple without him. And basically what we've seen so far for both Kevin Durant and Devin Booker is they are effectively getting the best case fantasy scenario on all sides. Because the one thing we talked about coming into this year was like, Devin Booker's usage is going to have to go down a little bit. Because he's playing with Kevin Durant and with Bradley Beal. And I know that the rest of the team is a bunch of role players. But if you're thinking back to what the Suns did last season prior to the Kevin Durant trade, the only other guy that really ever had the ball in his hands was Chris Paul. And so Booker was taking 20, 21 shots a game these years when it was... Devin Booker doing a ton and Chris Paul doing a pretty good chunk of stuff. And the assumption, which I still think is probably an accurate one, is that his overall amount of stuff to do probably does decrease with the massive caveat that Bradley Beal has to eventually play a basketball game this year. We all graded out Booker and KD and Beal on this idea that they were going to be on the same team at the same time. We're however many games into the season now for Phoenix 17, 18, 19 games. I don't, doesn't matter what they're at right now. But the guys haven't played together yet. And it hadn't even really been all that close. There was one day that they were all supposed to play together. And then, like, during warmups, they were like, oh, by the way, Bradley Beal's still hurt. And now he's just out indefinitely. They're 17 games into the season, and they haven't all played together. So we still haven't seen it. Now, the last two games, we've seen Booker without Kevin Durant. He's been unbelievable 40 points. In one of them, 28 and 11 in the other. And yeah, he's had some really massive games even with Kevin Durant. He had a 31-point, 13-assist game, a 24-point, 15-assist game up in Utah. I think that was the I think the overtime one, maybe. Um, either way, what we've seen, and this goes for Kevin Durant, too, by the way. I just I think Booker probably has more trade appeal as the guy getting more assists who is younger and, for whatever reason... There's less fear about his health. There should probably be about the same amount of fear. But then the other side of this discussion is, what could you even get? So that's why I almost didn't do this one. But I wanted to put Booker on the board just because I felt like he needed to be talked about as somebody who's going absolutely insane. He's at 29 points, 9 assists so far this year. You knew the percentages were going to be good. That was a reason to like Booker out of the chute. But, again... If you think, so this is the big if, if you think Bradley Beal ever gets his butt back into a uniform and can stand upright for more than three days in a row, you have to believe that both Booker and Durant are a little bit of sell highs right now. I would say Booker more than KD because with Durant, most of what he's doing is fairly repeatable. Like, you probably see the field goal number come down a little bit, but it's not like he's the big assist guy on this team. That's something where you take the ball out of his hands, that's a thing that goes down. With KD, he's sort of done what Booker's done, just without the passing. But Kevin Durant can repeat his blocks, he's gonna get more rebounds, so that type of stuff is the reason that maybe you say, okay, well, KD can probably hold onto his spot a little bit tighter, but with Booker, if you... If you take the ball out of his hands, the assists, the scoring, all that stuff comes down together. With Durant, I mean, yes, obviously you take the ball out of his hands and stuff goes down because both of these guys are positive percentages dudes. But more things come down for Booker by basically one full category than they do for KD, whose turnovers, by the way, are also extraordinarily high, and that's a number that probably comes down for Durant. So there's this sort of buffer against it. I, I think both guys eventually take a little hit. But I do think that Booker takes the bigger one in the event that Bradley Beal is playing. So I I have to keep adding that one caveat. If you think Bradley Beal is going to miss a bunch more time, and right now there's kind of no reason to think he's not, you know, they're just like, oh yeah, we're going to reevaluate him in a week or two or whatever it turns out to be. But he hasn't played since November 12th. He's already been out for two and a half weeks and we sort of haven't heard anything about him in the last like five or six days. It could be another month. We don't know. And if it is, then there's sort of no reason to think that Booker and KD can't continue to ride along inside the top 12. I just believe that at some point this year, the Suns are going to get healthy. And at that some point, you're going to want to make sure that Booker had netted you a top 12 guy. And there's really no better time to do it than right now. The beauty of it is, you don't. Booker's number seven, I think, at the moment. Yeah, he's both on on uh, Basketball Monster and on Yahoo. He's number seven. You could probably go get someone else who's just a traditional first rounder. Like you could probably get Kyrie. You could probably. Uh, I don't know if you could get Steph. I don't even know if you want to get Jason Tatum, who's uh, for some reason way down the as the free throw number. Right? I mean, honestly, I didn't even notice that Jason Tatum was down at number twenty so far this year because his free throws down at around 80 instead of mid to high 80s. Um, you could probably get Tatum if you wanted to. I don't know that you necessarily would. Uh, Dame is working his way up the board, as we all kind of expected he would. Um, how much higher can he go? Well, field goal still at 41 and change. These are guys you might want to consider moving Booker for in the next... Doesn't have to be today, because I don't think we've heard anything about Brad- Bradley Beal. At least I haven't. Maybe you did that I didn't see it, but... I try to see everything as best I can. Miss something every once in a while on the news the news feed. Uh, but you probably have a window here. And that's kind of the nice part. And why? I, another reason why I wanted to get Booker and or Kevin Durant on the board is because you've got a window to do it. So take your time if you need to. If you want to ride Booker out for another week or two while we still aren't hearing anything about Bradley Beal, have at it. But I think there's going to be a drop-off to uh, probably somewhere in the mid-second round, which is still higher than I thought he was going to be. But um, this, you know, top eight thing is just, it won't it won't stick if the team gets healthy. That's something I think most of us can agree on. Some of you out there are still going to be like, oh yeah, his sister, you know, he's still going to be like 99% of what he is now. That's just not how it works. If you insert another guy who needs 18, 19 shots into the mix and is also supposedly going to be running some point, things are going to shift. The dynamics are going to shift a little bit. There will be a drop off. The question is, of course, how much you think it's going to be. But I still think if you can lock in somebody who's a first rounder, you do it like a safe first rounder. By the way, Jason Tatum, not necessarily a safe first rounder, although you got to believe the steals and the free throw percent come back. See if you can get one of those guys. If you can't, no big deal. You ride out Booker. He'll probably be inside the top 20 because, again, Beal might miss two more months for all we know, uh, meaning he could roll here as a first-rounder for the next however long. So, again, there is no massive time impetus to get this thing going. If you think Beal comes back anytime soon, that would be the reason to lock it in, and that is uh, basically the story on that one. And that's your board for this week. We can go ahead and stop sharing that thing so you guys don't see a blank screen. This is your sell high episode for week six, mostly improvements around the edges. Make sure please to subscribe because we got another episode coming up here in the next 10 to 15 minutes. We'll break down the last NBA cup Tuesday. Get you prepped for a medium size Wednesday. I love that every day this week is basically a medium sizer. And please, again, kind of begging of you guys at the end, please, uh, at Dan vespers on social, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. By the way, I can't believe I'm getting close to 20,000 Twitter follows. That's nuts. Never in my wildest dreams I think that was going to be a thing that happened. Please like on the way out. Very few of you guys actually do that when I ask, so please a couple more do it this time. And subscribe. That's the biggest one of all. Hit that subscription button. That does all the difference for us. Talk to you guys in a couple minutes with the next episode. I'm Dan Vespers. I'm out.